everyone, and welcome back to a theater near you. My name is Chris Randazzo, and I'm joined this evening, as always, by a killer robot from the future, Paul Giroux. I am so pleased to be here. And surprise Dave Grohl cameo, Sean Doyle. Hello! <laughs> this month's movie was the long-awaited threequel in the Bill and Ted franchise. Does it live up to the legacy of the first two? Let's find out. But first, how are you, gentlemen? Uh, you know, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm doing great. You know why? Why? Ask me where I've been today. Where where have you been today? Where do you think I've been? Uh, the bathroom? <laughs> no, it's better than the bathroom. If you haven't been to the bathroom yet today, you need to go to a doctor. Did you go to a water park? All right. No, I have been to the bathroom <laughs> multiple times, but that's not the exciting place that I went today. Um, was it a water park? No. Uh, was it ShopRite? No. Were you on a boat? It was the movies. <laughs> oh, you went to the movies. What did it's you It's back, baby. The movies is back. So how was the movies? Did you see the movies? I did see the movie. I saw the movie. I saw F9. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's, it's, all, it's all come through, right? You've now seen everything fast and furious? Yep. I've, I've, it's run the <laughs> gamut since last time we talked, and uh, I'm a completely different person, I have to tell you. <laughs> this is a before and after moment. Yeah, I've lived a life you've that, seen them all and that you could never imagine in the last month. Um, I, I will say this. I haven't watched all the Fast and Furious movies yet. I I skipped the third one because from what I could see, it didn't seem to have like really any of the main stars in it. And it just had sort of like some tangential characters that were tied to it. And I just figured... Like, I'll watch a, a YouTube synopsis and be fine. Now that I've watched this new one, like, I think I need to go back and watch the third one because a whole lot more characters were in it and from that movie. And it's sort of... Apparently, there's, like... Apparently, that one is the one that started off the whole... Um, apparently, there was a whole movement that went into, like, them lobbying for a certain thing to be in this movie. So now I feel like I have to see it. Um there's just stuff you guys don't know about Fast and Furious movies, like, like, like everything. I, yeah, like <laughs> I know things now, guys. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> like I'm in the know about these movies. And Man of the world could be a. I, we could start a whole new podcast where we just talk about them. Let me tell you that for free. <laughs> could run for at the very least nine episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you spent all that time watching them. Sum up your feelings on the series in four words. You can't. That's right, I, four words. I can't, <laughs> I can't sum it up in four words. I, I, um, like, that was the thing. Not with I that wanted, attitude, you can't. I, well, I wanted to, after I completed them, like, I wanted to come to you guys and be like, you know, watch this one, this one, don't watch this one. Like, I wanted to be able to sort of give a... Um, you know, this one's worth it, this one's not type report. And like, now I feel like you either have to watch them all or you don't do it. Like, you're either, <laughs> you're like either in for a penny, in for a pound. Like, that's it. You know, like they, they are an experience. I will, I will say the, the first four are not great. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, Paul Walker, God, God rest his soul, really was not a very good actor. <laughs> um, 
I think uh, you know Vin Diesel sort of mumbles a lot of his lines, and unless you like are really into street racing, the first four of them you're kind of gonna go, uh. and then like the fifth and sixth one were amazing. Um, that the fifth one is where they bring the Rock in, and they sort of become like spy thriller movies. Um, which don't ask me how a bunch of like race car dudes who you know like boost stereos on the streets of Los Angeles become international spies, but somehow it happens. Um, and then I'd say like the the seventh, eighth, and ninth one have sort of become self aware of how ridiculous ridiculous action filmy they are, and sometimes they just do things that are like off the wall bonkers. But you're you're kind of along for the ride, so. I don't know. It's it's an experience, and I feel like you got to watch all of them. I can't imagine not watching all of them. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, it's not like I'm going to watch one Fast and the Furious movie unless I just pick a random number. Like it's either I either I watch exactly one or all of them. Well, when we get to the letter F of the alphabet, watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Paul's suggestion is going to be Fast and the Furious one through nine. (laughs) It's going to be a rough month. Well, no, I'll have to give a specific one, and then you'll feel that you need to watch all the rest of them. <laughs> Just to, you know, catch up. Exactly. I think I think what comes next in that series is a prequel set pre the time of the automobile. So it's like horseback, you know, or maybe carriages, you know, horses drawing oh, carriages. Medieval Fast and Furious. Medieval Fast and Furious. And it'll be like the great-great-grandfather of whoever, Vin Diesel. It's gonna it'll be like a, a secret uh, Ben Hur remake. The 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 movies have such an extensive cast of like people that come in and out of these. It would not be weird if like every one of them spun off into a a strange little movie of their own. Like it's <laughs> it's kind of become an epic spider web of things to follow. I I really didn't think it would have so much mythology for a thing that was about street racing. Like it, so the, it blew my the mind. The first four are just world building is what you're telling me. Uh the, like I feel like you could I feel like you could sort of skip the first four because there's I feel like there's not great stuff that happens in them, but then you kind of like miss these little tidbits that they throw back to later in the movie. Like there's these things that are really important to them. Like family, Vin Diesel's always talking about family. So like, you're missing some of these like connections they make in the beginning movies. The beginning movies are awful, but they they do sort of lay the groundwork for some of the other stuff. Like it's harder to appreciate the other movies without having seen. You know, you don't get you don't get to appreciate your them at their Fast Nine if you can't survive their Fast Two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. I think, and I, I, I could be way off on timing here, but I think I remember this correctly. I think the first one came out roughly around the time of another film that was competing for the same uh, thing called Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. It had Nicolas Cage and Angelina Jolie, and I did watch that one. I, I think it came down to like, do I want to go see Fast and Furious or Gone in 60 Seconds? And neither one of them was blowing me out of the water. I was like, ah, I'll go see Gone in 60 Seconds. I don't know. Let's see what Nick Cage has for me, right? He, you know, he was great in The Rock. I'll hear no, nothing to the contrary. Um, and I, I didn't love that movie. So then I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I think I, I'm pretty sure I've just saw Fast and Furious one. So I think I'm good. Yeah. the These movies have been around for 20 years. It's it's crazy that it was 20 years ago that the, the first one came out. 
And I, I had the same thought, Sean, because I posted on Facebook that I finally saw it. And there this ex-girlfriend of mine that was like really into cars was like, you know, yeah, good, good choice or something like that. And then I was like, oh, my God, did you make me watch this 20 years ago? And I just don't remember. Like, <laughs> you made me watch a car movie. Did I watch this? And she's like, it's altogether possible. And then I thought about it, and it was gone in 60 seconds. That was <laughs> like, I was right to say that I had never seen one of them until, you know, a couple weeks ago. But um, it did throw me off. I was like, oh, my God, did I see that movie? And, in fact, I saw it gone in 60 seconds. But each was equally forgettable probably fun note f10 is gonna wrap back in the angelina jolie and nicholas cage character from that movie you didn't know that was a prequel you just blew my mind wow i don't even know how to feel about that (laughs) i don't think this is the movie we're supposed to talk about (laughs) no not at all (laughs) like i mean maybe i shouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole but yeah this was this was a dangerous dangerous path for me to embark upon and, and i think we only started recording because our rocky conversation was getting out of control well i mean you know it's it's impo- it, it's one of those things you tell people you've never seen a rocky movie before and they're like how did you miss them like, well i don't know just never that it's never came up and I'm, I'm gonna watch them it's gonna happen one of these days it's gonna be one of those marathon things but i don't know i'm sure there's plenty of other movies out there that i haven't seen that i should have all right so what movie are we here to talk about all right, so yeah, we're we're here to talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You guys watched <laughs> Bill and Ted Face the Music? Cuz I watched Baby Legend of the Lost Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's your new favorite movie, right? You got the tattoo, right? No, it in actuality, Baby of the Lost Kingdom was probably the only one of the movies we talked about last month that I did not watch. <laughs> I watched uh, <laughs> Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. I watched uh, all the Fast and Furious movies. I watched In the Heights. Um, I can't remember what else we mentioned last time, but I realized... Like, you mentioned I w- that one? That Now that you're mentioning this, I wish I had gone back and watched your, your pick anyway. Your pick was like a movie I'd never heard of starring Tucci and uh, 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 Monk. Yeah, that I mean. that one I haven't watched yet. Of the, the of the, the one that I that suggested. Was your I know that was my <laughs> suggestion. I didn't watch that one, but it's cuz it wasn't free on any of the streaming things. So the newer movies I mentioned were um Cruella in the Heights, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard and F9. Those ones I mentioned last oh, time. Oh, well, I watched two of those four. I watched half of them. <laughs> huh. That's a pretty solid percentage, yeah. but yes, we were here. To, we we're here to talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music. So uh, let's get some let's get some history out of the way here. Bill and Ted Face the Music was released on August twenty eighth, two thousand twenty, and was distributed by United Artists. It was directed by Dean Parasot or Pariso, I don't know how you say that. Uh, who also directed the two thousand five Jim Carrey vehicle Fun with Dick and Jane and the nineteen ninety nine cult classic Galaxy Quest. The screenplay came from Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, who also wrote the screenplays for the first two movies in the Bill and Ted franchise. The movie serves as a uh, kind of an ending to a trilogy that nobody knew existed and features a ton of returning cast members from previous entries, as well as memorable new characters. Uh, So let's go over how we watched this movie. Um, This was my second time seeing it. I watched it in my living room. Uh, after having rewatched the first two in one night only a few days prior, 
Uh, Karen was with me, and I was eating birthday cake as a snack because uh, I turned 40 since the last time we recorded. I streamed it through nefarious means since I already rented it once, and uh, I, I, I don't own it. And it's not you know regularly streaming on any service that I had. Like, the first two are on HBO, but this one is still, like, you know, elsewhere. So, yeah, I have access to a Plex server, which gives me access to pretty much anything, and that's where I watched it. So, uh, what about you, Paul? Where did you watch it? Uh, which time? Because I have now watched it four times. The, mo- the most recent time, in, in service <laughs> of this episode. Uh, I watched it on my phone while I was doing the dishes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. You always say to me, like, how did you view this movie, Paul? Like, what was the way in which you viewed it? And, like, there's never going to be any way that I'm not watching a movie, like, on my TV. Like, I've spent too much time and energy making my basement this, like, awesome, like, movie theater viewing cave. So, you know, like, I'm never going to be like, oh, I watched it on my computer. Like, I'm always going to, I'm always going to watch it in the optimal place. So with this movie, I was like, I got to throw Chris a curveball. So um, I watched. Did you not watch it on your phone? No, I did watch it. Yeah, no. So I I watched the first. I watch a lot of stuff while I'm doing dishes. That's on my phone while doing dishes is one of my favorite places to catch up on several YouTube series I watch. Well, I, I have this on Apple you know, Apple movies. Like I purchased the movie when it came out. So, uh-huh. um, I watched the first two on Monday on HBO just to sort of prepare. Um, so I, like I woke up, uh, you know, I woke up early. I took Nate to camp and then my wife was still like wiped out because she had a surgery last week. So she like slept in. So I was like, I'm going to watch those two movies while I wait for her to get up. Um, so I watched excellent adventure and Bogus Journey, she got up and kind of watched the tail end of Bogus Journey with me. And then I was like, cool, like, let's go out and get some, like, breakfast lunch. And so we sort of went out and had a meal. And then I was like, I waited too long to eat. I should have eaten something when I got up. And, like, now I have this massive headache. So um, I, had a, I had a terrible migraine. And then I, I got in my bed and I took some Excedrin. And then I was like, I could watch this movie on my phone. So I started watching on my phone and then... I sort of beat the headache and I got up and I did some dishes while I finished watching it on my phone. So um, you asked me where I watched it and what I consumed. I watched it half in bed and half doing the dishes and I consumed Excedrin. <laughs> Fantastic. What about you, Sean? So I, I also recapped the, I went back and watched the first two again. What what was it? HBO Max, I think, had them. Uh-huh. Uh, I did that like a week before, not in the same night. I did one like on a Tuesday and the other one on like a Thursday or whatever. And then uh, for this movie, uh, I watched it last night. Uh, I was staying at my girlfriend's parents' beach house. Me and my girlfriend were down there. And I watched it on, uh, I want to say it was about a 35-inch, maybe a 30-inch. It's a smaller TV in the bedroom that we stay in when we're in that house. Um, the And I think at this point, that's three. This is our third show. I've, I've watched all three on different TVs. I'm going to make sure... That I watch every one of these movies on a new TV. It's going to end up being some weird, or a new way to watch. It's going to end up being some weird stuff, but that's that's my new goal. Um, as far as a snack, uh, we watched like the first half of the movie, and then we took a break, a dinner break, and went and got 
went across the street from their beach houses, this this pub, and we got some, what did I have? I don't know. It was, it was greasy, whatever it was. Uh, mozzarella sticks and pizza, I think, was what I got. And then we came back and finished the movie, and I probably had... I'm going to say five beers throughout the movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't smoke pot, and I felt like that was the pot was the right way to watch the movie, probably, right? This is, this is for potheads, right? They don't, they don't own it, but it, it's everything but owning it. Um, but I don't do that, so I was like, oh, I'll get a good buzz on this. That'll be my tip of the hat to, to where they're coming from here. Fair enough. All right, so I guess uh, before we dive into actual face the music, which there's plenty to say about Let's get some uh, some general consensus on on the first two. Like, I don't think there's any arguments from any of us that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is a you know a masterpiece that is a uh, damn near flawless, right? Uh, agreed. Agreed. I mean, yeah, it's a staple of our childhood, and while nostalgia, I'm sure, plays a big hand in that. I I rewatched it the other day. I think it. I my assumption is it would hold up fine. To yeah, a new I viewer. I think it holds up incredibly well. That uh, you know the jokes are still funny. It's all super well acted it's well put together everything everything is memorable it's got it's got exactly one part that i think is super unfortunate it's when you know he falls down the stairs and then they find each other and they hug each other and they back up and go fag like oh, yeah i i know that's brutal i know what you're talking about it's uh it is kind of a like stain on those movies and i feel like one of the things that makes it a little worse is that it becomes a reoccurring thing in bogus yeah, journey. In the second one. Yeah. Like, like on its own, it's still pretty bad, but you know, if it was just in one movie and not the other, you'd kind of go like, ah, oh, it was a product of the time. Uh, yeah. It's um, an unfortunate thing. Yeah. And it makes a double the, comeback in the, the second one. Yeah. The fact that it, they, they call back to it, like makes it a bill and Ted thing, which is like, Ugh. and then you could, you, you almost want to, like excuse it in the second one because technically it's the bad robots that say it and you want to go like well they're 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 bad <laughs> so yeah you know but um that's how i thought about it the first when i was rewatching i was like oh but the bad robots said it so i can get get you know get away with it but then the second time it comes up they said it. i was like oh man i don't remember when they said it in the second i remember the bad robots doing it and yeah that that's easy but bad robots can say anything they want do they do they say robots. it do they say it when they're in hell when they uh, when the the Easter Bunny and the the yeah, drill sergeant so. are after them, is that what it is? I didn't take I didn't take a note on where it was, but I remembered hearing it twice, and I was like, and it's such a betrayal of their characters too. Like they're all about like love and accepting everybody, and yeah. it's like it's such a I mean it was just a it was a vernacular of the time, which is like absurd, but. Yeah. yeah, and and it's like the sentiment behind the gag is is funny because you know at at face value it's that like you know they're uncomfortable showing emotions they're so overwhelmed that they hug each other and then they have to you know they have to like distance themselves from it and then they mm-hmm. and then they then they sort of like snap right back into like hey bud you know like like. It's a shame because the sentiment behind the gag is funny. It's just, yeah. it's like, ugh. I wonder if they couldn't, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. They whitewash everything. Just just change that word to something else that means, like, you could leave the gag. Because you're right, the sentiment behind it is that they're uncomfortable with their emotion. So I wonder if they couldn't, like, when they're just... On TV, when those movies are on TV, they replace the word with fool. They go, fools. <laughs> 
Yeah. Which is not the same. You're kind of losing but... it there. They, yeah, yeah, they could have... Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean, at least it's not overtly offensive to anybody, but still, right. it's, uh, you know, not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, just mute it. Just have them back up. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. All right, so how do you guys feel about Bogus Journey? Because... Uh, uh, Wait, hang on. Yeah. Before we before we before we talk about Bogus Journey, which well, I I <laughs> I do have something sort of funny to say about that. But like, just sort of before we move on, um, you know, you talked about how it holds up. Um, you know how both of the movies hold up, and like, I, I think that's I, I can't really explain this, but like, I think it's something about time travel movies that make them inherently timeless. Like, um. <laughs> It, like it's it's so weird, but like um, you know, when I was watching Excellent Adventure, there's there was all these things that I was like, oh geez, like if a kid today was watching this, would they find it as funny, or would they even understand it? Because you know they have so much technology at their fingertips now. You know, like right now, if it was like, hey kid, you're gonna fail history. You know, it's like, all right, well, get on Wikipedia and start looking up all these things. You know, like they would be in the parking lot of the Circle K just on their cell phones, you know, like researching, you know, uh, history. Um, but, uh, yeah, the fact that, you know, we we didn't have that at our disposal and, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, phone booths were a thing of that time. And like, I'm. I look at that Circle K scene and I'm like, how many people work at Circle K and, you know, like someone asks them when the Mongols ruled China or, <laughs> you know, uh, if when Marco Polo was like, you know, whatever it is. And I, like, I, I just think it's funny because it doesn't have to be a movie that was made in 1989 about time travel. It could be a movie that was made now and set in 1989 you know what i mean like mm -hmm. the the even the stuff about bill and ted is like indicative of that time um uh i i feel the same way about um back to the future you know like some of the stuff in that like the the walkman um where he uh you know puts it on his his dad's ears and he's like i'm he plays van halen and he's like i'm darth vader from the planet vulcan you know like all these things, if you were going to make a movie about somebody from 1985 going back to 1955, like, it's all very, uh, you know, very telling of that time. So, I, I think... And it's also, it doesn't, it doesn't date itself um, with really specific pop culture references, which right. is super important. Like, a lot of movies will do that where they'll just... In, like even something is is uh, effectively timeless as the animated Aladdin. Like, you know, we were watching that with the kids, and then he did the Arsenio Hall joke, where he's like waving his hand around, going ooh ooh ooh. Like, I don't even know how to begin to explain that to my kids. Like, <laughs> right, right. What? That's a joke that's just like that was such a product of its time. Like, and it was a very super. This was this was what was happening now. But like when with Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, they don't really. They didn't really mess with that stuff. Everything in there, uh, most of the jokes are just timeless. So, it's wonderful. yeah, and so much of the humor is just baked into the story. Like so much of the humor is, what if you know these sort of uh, uh, 
you know, dumb, I, I know they're not stoner, but dumb stoner types of today, like, met historical figures, you know, and then it's like, well, the jokes will write themselves, you know. So um, great, Johnson. Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> yeah, no, and there was so Abraham many. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> just, just the defeat in his voice. And uh, I don't know, Abraham Lincoln. I don't know. And that was, All it, right. All right, boys. So does her in the fridge. <laughs> Missy? I mean, Mom. That's the, the whole Missy thing. It's such a great running gag between the three movies. Like. And the way they pulled it in for the third one was not what I, not where I expected it to go. But before we jump into that, I do want to know what you guys thought of uh, having recently rewatched uh, Bogus Journey. Oh, yeah. Well, do you, you want to go first, Sean? Sure. Uh, I, I think it's clearly not as good as the first one. Uh, I think nostalgia helps more on this one. So I, I don't think it would hold up as well to a new viewer. I still really loved it. But, but again, I... It, I grew up with it, so it's 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 ingrained in my in childhood, Sean. And so there's a lot of joy that comes from that. That being said, I don't mean to trash it either. It definitely still has a lot of great moments, a lot of very funny uh, bits, and again, playing on the same concept of well, what if these two uh, knuckleheads uh, had to deal with X, Y, and Z, and the jokes probably for the most part wrote themselves. Uh, so. I would still say it's a good movie, uh, but it's I'm going to say it's a probably a fair step down from that first one. Yeah, I, I heartily agree. It's a it, it definitely doesn't it definitely doesn't hold up as well as the first one. The first one is just like amazing, and there's I mean it's a weird ass movie. And from what I've come to understand, like they weren't expecting to get a sequel to make, so they're like oh, I don't fucking know. Let's uh, <laughs> let's make evil robot us. I don't know, uh, but. You know, it does have some really good jokes in it. Like, I can't believe Missy divorced your dad and married mine. There's <laughs> <laughs> so many really good lines in that movie. But it's it's also got, like, some, some scenes where they're just like, well, we got this special effect, so let's go crazy with it. And Station was like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? And I actually learned the story behind it. So we were watching it. Uh, we are watching Bogus Journey. I was like, where the hell did this even come from? So There's I looked it up. There's a story behind this. They were there was a, a scene early in the script that was interior police station, and they were all baked out of their minds when they were where they were working on it, and they deleted that scene. But while they did it, they kept saying the word "station" to each other, <laughs> and just decided to try like make it this weird recurring thing in the movie. Oh wow, that's amazing. <laughs> It's kind a lot of, of that it, checks out. A lot of that checks out. It really yeah. does add up. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I I I love it too. I'll always love that movie. I mean, Death is great. Freaking playing Twister against Death and everything, and uh, there are so many good points. But yeah, it's I, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first one. It's I, it's very Temple of Doom for me. I well, I feel like you guys are being very harsh on this movie. Um, I I love all three of them. Um. You know, uh, if I had to rate them, I I would say it probably goes one, two, three for me, which which feels like they got progressively worse, which is not true. You know, like they're they're all they're all sort of great in my mind. It's just like to me, you know, the first one, the first one 
is is really so well done, you know, and there's lightning um, in a bottle, you know. Yeah, it it just was. Um and uh and like I said, it, it was just it was sort of effortless like how the how the the humor was was baked into the situations. Like that did a lot of the work and sort of made yeah, made this amazing movie. Um, you know, uh I it, it's I feel like it's like trying to pick your favorite kid um which you know i know that it's i'm easy timmy <laughs> i know well, you like, got you have one kid what do you can play <laughs> well that's what i was gonna say i have no frame of reference sean and i both you know sean has no kids i have one kid you know i, I say to chris like it's like picking your favorite kid and chris is probably like the boy <laughs> 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 no, I don't want to assume which one of your kids is your favorite. They're both uh, they're both fantastic kids. <laughs> it depends on the time of day. Um yeah, but uh uh Bogus Journey like it's like you can see the the fingerprints of the movie more. Like you could see the like you could see them working harder to make all the pieces fit. Um uh and and they do a, a an admirable job, you know, that they have to get them from, uh, you know, from like just the afterlife, like death to hell to you know playing death to heaven, you know, and then like some of the ways that they incorporated the other characters, like um, him possessing his dad, uh, Ted possessing his oh dad my God. at the police what station. What a performance, too! Oh yeah, and he like. That he does a spot on Keanu Reeves, like that was amazing. Um, I mean, just really amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah but from that scene to the scene with with Missy and the the um, the seance, like you know, they they did a a lot of work to um, to make all the pieces fit. But like it it kind of feels a little clunky, um, and I think the reason why. I always will have a soft spot for bogus journey is because of death. Like death is just so good. the funniest, best character. And I'm always going to like, look back on that movie with just a, you know, a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, yeah, no, I don't want to give the impression that I don't love the movie. Cause I do. I love that movie. I just don't think it's like, I don't think it's quite where, I mean, I guess equating it to Temple of Doom was a little harsh in my point. Cause I, I don't love Temple of Doom. I really don't. And you know what? When you said that before, I wanted to jump in and be like, you know what? what and I know this isn't what we're talking about. When I think <laughs> of the Indiana Jones movies, it's easy in your mind to say, well, the first and third one are clearly the best. Obviously, the fourth one's not that great. But I enjoyed the fourth one, but it's not nearly as good as the other ones. But you say, well, the first and third one are the best. But then go back and watch the second one. There's so many... Him on the bridge? Cutting the oh, bridge? You're, you're absolutely oh, right. God, it's every got time I watch great that, moments, like, but it's also got Willie Scott, which is like the worst character ever put on film. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I put Temple of Doom and Crystal Skull about on the same level, personally. And I, then, I, like, one and three are just... I think she animals. almost makes that movie unwatchable. Like, she, she really... It's really hard to get through the scenes that, that she's in. Um, and she's in so many scenes. Yeah. But when she's not there, it's like, ah, oh, all right, Indiana Jones. Yeah, but like, yeah. Every time oof. I think, I in my mind, I like my knee-jerk reaction is one and three are both really great. It's hard to pick the best. I don't know. I could go back and forth, and two's definitely a step down. And then I watch two, and I'm like, I love this movie. 
I love this. I part. mean, I, probably my most quoted Indiana Jones quote of line of all time is, uh, "Nice try, Laoche." Like I say that <laughs> all the time. What a great scene! But, but again, like I, I, there's, I actively dislike so much of of Temple of Doom because of Willie Scott and Bogus Journey doesn't have that. It's still great. I'm just saying it's not quite on the same level as as one and I think three either because I think three is just great. Are they? And I'll, granted, I've only seen it twice, but are they really making a fifth Indiana Jones movie? They keep threatening to. <laughs> <laughs> I think that they missed a really uh, a really great opportunity with the fourth Indiana Jones movie, and I hope that they do it with the fifth movie. I think that they should bring Short Round back as the villain. Oh, oh that would be such a mind blow. I'd be so into that. Yeah, That'd and like awesome. they could have some like really heated scene on a, you know, a bridge or something where, you know, the the wind is blowing and he's, you know, he's got to brave something to fight him or whatever and he's like, "Short Round, why did you do this?" And he could you be stole like, "My childhood." He could be like, <laughs> "Fortune and glory, Dr. Jones. Fortune <laughs> and glory." We should oh, write this oh, movie. God. We should. That would be. Gr- I would be so into that because I mean they they really did kind of they did a lot of stuff right with the fourth. Well, we, that's that's a podcast for another podcast. I could talk Indiana Jones. <laughs> so that's all a day podcast long. for this podcast. It's like six episodes away. Yeah, eight, eight episodes. I don't know where <laughs> I falls in the alphabet. We've got some, we've got some time before that. So all right, on the same page. Let's talk about Bill and Ted face the music. I mean, I I I really liked it the first time I saw it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what what it was about the night that we saw it where I was like, that was really good. And that's kind of where I left it. Like, yeah, no, that was that was good. That was really good. It was a solid movie. Thumbs up. But I wasn't like really completely floored by it. But the, watching it the other night, it really, really got me. It just just sank its teeth into me full, full swing. Maybe it was just having watched the previous two and then... Also dipping my toes into the animated series and live action series, which live action series, right? I didn't even know that existed. I knew the animated series I had the action figures. I ate the breakfast cereal, <laughs> but I did not know there was a live action series. Oh my god, there is! And I, I watched some of the first episode. It was freaking awful. <laughs> yeah, I watched a couple of them. I remember that being pretty painful. Except the the two actors they got to do Bill and Ted really sounded the part. That was very impressive. They sounded the part. If I closed my eyes, you're like, wow, that really does sound like Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves. That's that's impressive. But nothing else was that's the most positive I can say about it. But I don't know. I I was uh you know, it's always gonna be jarring when like it's a time travel movie. How is Rufus not still around? But you know, they they, they played that I think as best they could. The the joke with Missy marrying Deacon was like that was just wonderful. And the way they kind of like explained away some of the weird stuff that showed up in the news headlines at the end of uh, bogus journey, because like bogus journey just dug a bunch of holes that were going to be real difficult <laughs> to take your way out of, unless you start playing fast and loose with a uh, interdimensional stuff there. Like Missy was marrying the villain guy or whatever. Like it just went all over the map, but what a, what a great idea of like, you know, it's been so so many years. Like, how, what are you going to make a Bill and Ted movie about now? And how are these characters going to work as grownups? And then it kind of reminded me a little bit of Cobra Kai, where it's like, it's possible to do something like that. It's possible to take something that existed at this very specific period in time 
and tell the story of what happens when these characters all really grow up and, you know, with a degree of realism, you know, not much realism, obviously, because, you know, it's Bill and Ted, just like Cobra Kai takes place in the Karate Kid world, which is completely insane. But uh, I think they handled this just about as, as well as they could. I yeah. do think Keanu Reeves looks weird in this movie, and I can't really place why. Because, like, he looks great in real life. And Alex Winter looked, I think Alex Winter looked pretty great. But there was something really odd looking about Keanu Reeves in this movie. I don't know. I, don't, I can't put my finger on it. I, uh, I didn't know that I needed a continued story to The Karate Kid, just like I didn't know <laughs> that I ne- needed a continued story to Bill and Ted. But, like, God damn if I wasn't all in on both of those things. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah, I... I don't know if I noticed that Keanu Reeves looked different, but I feel like he he lost a little bit of that Ted energy. You know, like Ted had this way of um, I, like like he still really captured the uh, some of the way that that Ted said stuff, um, and specifically when they were playing those alternate timeline versions of themselves you could see that they were having (laughs) so much fun and he was really you know like he was really diving in with that stuff but i don't know ted had this way of like sometimes when he said the bummer thing of then bouncing back with this like super optimistic thing you know and like but that's okay yeah Yeah. you'd see his whole body light up and change and like i don't know if keanu reeves just has been playing john wick for way too long but um feel like he lost that thing i kind of felt like that was more of a more of a choice because ted seemed to be more more hit by life than bill like ted was the one who was suggesting you know they end the band like ted was the one that was kind of sort of grew up and took things slightly more seriously i feel like ted was the one that was more disillusioned with the world than bill he went to the pawn shop and he pawned the Les Paul. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like Ted was the one that was kind of going through a little bit more. And maybe I, I I appreciated that as somebody who used to be considered an eternal optimist uh, and have, you know, I'm considerably less optimistic now. And uh, I appreciated seeing that in this character that's still very optimistic, but ever so slightly more like, just a little tiny bit of cynicism fell in there because I mean, not that this, you know, it's, it's Bill and Ted there. How really serious are you going to dive into these characters? But a, a whole question of this movie is like, how, what do these people grow into? Like what, what do, what kind of adults do Bill and Ted turn into? And especially with like their whole uh, mission in life to, to, create the song that writes that that unites the world and all the uh uh the the pressure that goes along with that like what exactly do their lives look like and i i, I don't know i th- i i appreciated that ted was ever so slightly just just the tiniest bit like more apprehensive about everything all of a sudden this is so much more depressing than a bill and ted conversation should be <laughs> No, I, I, I agree with Chris. I, th- I think Ted was doing that on purpose uh, because he was the one who, the, the Les Paul, and he, he was the one that seemed to be getting it more than Bill, and I think that was intentional. Maybe Ted's the slightly more intelligent of the two. 
Um, the he seemed to be getting it when the girls were leaving them more so than Bill did. Like I don't know, everything seemed to be weighing on him a little bit more. So I think that was intentional on Keanu Reeves' part. Um, and it makes sense given you know Ted's dad. Like Bill's dad has always been kind of like you know. <laughs> Now, now he's going for it in your own room. <laughs> like his Bill's dad has always been a little bit less structured, and Ted's dad has always been, you know, he was going to send him to military school. He's, he looked looks at Ted's life and is angry about it. So of course, there's going to be a degree of that in his personality. You know, you know, it's so funny. I I made a note about this. I I only. I only noticed it on this this last rewatch of it, but um, you know, you you mentioned Ted's dad being sort of a contributing factor in his personality, um, and I, you know, and you you also mentioned like, wow, this is way deeper than we thought for a Bill and Ted conversation. Like, I think this movie actually worked on a lot of different levels, and that was um, that was something I really appreciated about it, but. Um, you know, we obviously saw a journey with Ted and Ted and his dad, and I'm I'm like so glad that that was a part of this movie. But you know, in all the movies, like Ted's dad, sort of, um, he sort of like I don't know. I think like soft like blames Bill for some of this stuff. Like he's always like, oh, Bill's definitely, a, yeah, <laughs> Bill's a bad influence on you, and you know, like. Like there, there's always this like you know, goddamn, I wish my kid wasn't hanging out with Bill thing. And they're in when they're in hell, and Ted's dad apologizes to Ted, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, you know, I'm I'm sorry I didn't believe you, and I'm gonna help you now, you know. And Bill's like, thanks, Chief Logan, and he goes, I wasn't talking to you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Cracked my one. shit up. It was it was well delivered. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you will uh, allow me to go on a, a, a little bit of a, um, a a little bit of a tangent about this movie, I'm going to talk about Please some do. other stuff. Yeah, but I, I promise I will bring it back to Bill and Ted. Um, I I mean, like I I, I love this movie, and um, I like what I have found is that adult Paul does not expect things out of movies. Like, if you were to talk to mm, teenage Paul or maybe, like, early 20s Paul, he totally would have expected things out of movies. Like, superhero movies or Star Wars, you know, movies. Like, movies that were part of a franchise. Like, if I found out that something else was coming out, like... I would have had big ideas. I would have been like, this has to do this, and it's got to do this thing, and if this character's not in it, me, 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 you know, like, like <laughs> I, I had all these expectations of, of movies. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that when, uh, you know, <laughs> probably like my earliest memory of this is like going to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, and that we were all like, well, it better do this and it better do that. And this character better be in it, you know, and like little did we know it was just going to have Vanilla Ice instead. Um, uh, nothing just, any of us. Just? <laughs> nothing just any of us expected. No. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, like now I feel like I don't, I don't do that. I don't. Um, I'm not uh, like like a a good example is um the the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, right? Like when when that first one came out, 
I was like, you know, they just did this not that long ago. Like they just made two different franchises of this superhero. Like, I don't know. What are they going to do in this? But then I was like, all right, you know what? Like, let me shrug it all off. I'm in. Let me see this movie. And like, damn, if it wasn't the best, you know, Spider-Man that there was, you know, um, uh, I feel the way about the the solo movie, the Han Solo movie. Like again, like not that this was a great movie or that it was going to win any awards or anything, but like, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know, man, a Han Solo movie without Harrison Ford, like that sounds like an awful idea. Um, but you know, it had like all the things that I wanted to see in a Han Solo prequel that I had no idea that I wanted to see. You know, like him meeting Chewbacca, him winning the you know, Millennial Falcon from uh, from Lando, the Kessel Run, like, you know, it had all this stuff in it. Um, and I was like, all right, like, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't the most amazing thing ever, but, like, I enjoyed it because I didn't go in expecting anything. With this Bill and Ted movie, I went in expecting everything. Like, I am part of, like, a Bill and Ted group on Facebook, like, as soon as they posted they were making this, I would, like, look at all the news articles, and then I would, like, stop looking at the news articles because I didn't want things ruined for me, but then I was like, I have to know what's going to happen, like, there's not going to be no Rufus, like, George Carlin, you know, can't be in this, so how could this possibly work? Like, I was so concerned about this movie, and the fact that at the end of it, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I went in with big expectations and they were met. <laughs> I, th- I think I was the opposite. I, th- I think I thought it was going to be terrible. Um, I just didn't, I don't know, something about it. I love the first two. Like I said, special piece in my heart, but it just it seemed like it would have been so long. I was, I was really expecting something of a train wreck. Um, so I, I really enjoyed the movie, but I, I definitely went in with the opposite, uh, you know, the opposite idea that you had. I was, <laughs> I was really thinking it was going to be stupid. <laughs> but no, it, uh, and it was stupid because it has to be well, stupid. Sure. It's a Bill and Ted movie. That's sure. kind of the point. But it was really good. Yeah, no, I agreed. It, and they paid homage to all the things they needed to pay homage to while still giving me new jokes, still uh, tying the series together, making everything work. Um, I thought they handled George Carlin real well. They threw in the hologram for two mm-hmm. seconds, just a tip of the hat. And the girl that got to play his daughter, I can't remember her name, but she cracks me up. Kristen, Kristen Shaw. So I, I was like, yeah, no, good work. And the reason he's dead is because the clock in San Dimas is always ticking. It yeah. doesn't stop. I don't know what that means exactly in the time travel perspective, but that's how it is. So I, I was willing to just go along with that one. Yeah, well, me too. It's, you, they, they explain it exactly enough. You, well... I mean, this was something that I think is so weird about Bill and Ted movies, but also like so interesting that it worked, right? Because they've they set up this idea that the clock is always ticking in San Dimas. They set it up in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You know, it was that like Ted, don't forget to wind your watch, and you have to set the the you have to set the number one number higher to go to the, the next day in San Dimas that, um, you know, however many hours they had to the, the history report was still, however many hours that they had. And it was a weird premise being that it was a movie about time travel, but like for some reason 
I don't know. It made it make sense, right? Like they, they used it then they used it now. Um, the thing that was <laughs> that like kind of was like, I don't know if I should think too hard about this is what are the rules of time travel in the Bill and Ted world? Cause they, you know, there's, there's really no stakes when they did excellent adventure. It was, you know, it was a f- fun movie, right? They, they, uh, you know, they go back and they get these historical characters with like no thought of how that's going to affect history <laughs> and the timeline. <laughs> and I guess conceivably they put them back in the same place, but like, we don't care. We don't care about that part of the movie. Like we watched a fun movie, right? In bogus yeah, journey, I guess they set up that it has like back to the future rules instead of terminator rules, right? Like back to the future rules is you can change the past, but like terminator rules is the past was always going to happen that way. And it was always going to play out in the way that it was supposed to happen. So the fact that Denomalos was trying to wipe them out, like, all right, so that means that it had, back to the future rules and then in this one i don't know how like i don't know what the point was when they like they had to go to the end of the story to they had to go to the end of the story to figure out what to do but did did then the event that was going to stabilize time happen because that was the point when the the princesses went into the past and started that whole like I, I don't know where one timeline starts and the other ends or, is, or am I just thinking too hard about this yes <laughs> <laughs> I think you're thinking too hard about it because I think whether you go with Terminator rules or back to the future rules which have their own inherent problems but whichever one you go with you I think you end up with a problem of they shouldn't have been able to go to their future selves who have the answer because until they have the answer whatever rules they're working under must not affect the future or Maggie Smith is that her name who was in the future I don't know that actress George Carlin's wife who was worried about the record player of the earth falling apart Oh, that was not uh, Maggie definitely Smith. Definitely wasn't, yeah, wasn't Maggie Smith. What's her name? She looks a little like Maggie Smith, though, right? She's been in yeah, a I ton guess. of stuff that I've watched yeah. recently. She's the one I confuse with Maggie Smith. But anyway, <laughs> if, if the future Bill and Ted had the thing, then why didn't she already have her solution? You know, like, if it's Terminator rules and things are things, then why aren't all things all things? But since she didn't have her solution... But they had their solution. I don't know. I I think we're probably just thinking about it a little too hard. I think in the context of what they set up, which, again, the clock in San Dimas always ticking was a brilliant uh, a brilliant thing for that first movie because it all almost checks out. You're like, yeah, it's their timeline. Their timeline's still going. But it doesn't make too sense if you stare at it real hard, kind of like the sun. And then uh, if you just run with that, it's like, yeah, this all feels sort of right. I think the thing is, though, like we're saying – don't think about it too hard, but I think if you did think about it hard enough, it would make sense because the the old versions of them didn't actually have the song until the booth departed for the past um, with with the the old versions of the princesses in it. You know that like up until that point, they were still the 
the future versions of the self, their self that they created by going forward and messing with time. And then when the booth left to go back, then the events, the other events happened. And uh, I don't know. Like, I, th- I think if you really dissected it, it could make sense, but it also hurts your head. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> That's I, I think I think you just summed it up pretty good. If you really want it to, it can make sense. It makes enough sense. It that's, definitely makes enough sense. Yeah. No doubt about that. That's where I'm going with this. It makes enough sense. And that's all it needed to do was make enough sense. So I, I've got one criticism of well, I probably got lots of criticism of it. Again, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was great. Um I might I might think it's I might think it's better than number two. Is your criticism that the uh time machine that actually uh, the 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 is your criticism that the design of the futuristic time machine looks like a suppository? <laughs> <laughs> no. Kind of does. Kind of does. But that was not my criticism. My my criticism. I, I, I occurred to me that when I was watching it, because we do this podcast, like there's like a second part of my brain now watching this movie. It was like I don't know, trying to pay attention to stuff. Uh, the only part that broke the. Uh, what is suspension of disbelief? I, I'm, I feel like I'm good at it. Like, I can be watching a pretty terrible movie, and I'm just in. You know, I'm like, okay, what are we doing? All right, this crazy thing's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm on your page. I'm working with you. You know, I want to be entertained. And the one time, uh, it, it might have happened twice. It was the same thing. The the one actress, I guess she was she was playing the, the Ted daughter, I guess. The one trying to act like Keanu Reeves. It just seemed, I don't know. At times, I thought she was doing a great job, and at other times, it was taking me out of the moment because it just felt uh, it felt a little too forced. The Bill, the Bill daughter, was definitely taking a much softer approach, maybe even too soft an approach. And I felt like every now and then, the Ted daughter was just pushing it too hard, and it it, it felt like an actress. It felt like someone acting like Ted, and and took me out of the. You know, it broke the illusion for for a moment. Not I'm she wasn't terrible, but it's something I noticed. I was like, huh. Yeah, that brought me off for a second. I thought, huh? Yeah, I definitely didn't experience that. I thought both of the both of the daughters did a wonderful job. Yeah, I thought that the two daughters were great. The two actresses that played the daughters, and I I think that um, I think that what I liked about it is that they had like like very distinct characters that you believed could be the children of Bill and Ted or the children of well, that sounds like Bill and Ted had kids together the children that Bill and <laughs> Ted had with the princesses because like you know I think that's the other thing like then their mothers are from you know whatever it is like 14th century England you know um, so like I, I appreciated that they were that they weren't just people doing like a Bill and Ted impression because I feel like it could have gone that way right like it could have been like you you do this and do you do that and it it really I I thought they really sort of had their own distinct personalities but you could see the influence of you know their dads and moms like I, I seemed like Thea sort of seemed like a like a Zen like hippie kind of vibe and I feel like the other one sort of had like a like a surfer kind of vibe like I don't know like I I, I believed that they were fathered by Bill and Ted, you know? Right. The, the Bill one, I a hundred percent agree with you every now and then the Ted one, just, I think 
her mannerisms, I think it was in the way she would like hold herself and rock, her mannerisms almost looked to me like she sat there and watched the old Bill and Ted movies a thousand times and tried to pick up his mannerisms and, and successfully did so. But it just, I don't know, something about it, it, it I don't know. It took me out of it a couple times. Uh, not the Bill. But, uh, again, I don't remember what her name was. The the Bill's daughter. Not her. She was great the Bill's whole time. Dora, Bill's right? daughter's name was Thea, and Ted's daughter's name was Billy. Oh, oh. I think I'm talking about Billy. Whichever one clearly was supposed to be, uh, you know. Yeah, uh, Billy was Keanu Reeves' Yeah, daughter. Billy was Ted's daughter. Right. It was just something about the way, like, I don't know, she moved or something. It was very reminiscent of Ted from the first movie. Um, and it just, I don't know, which I, I'm sure she's what she was going for. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm being very nitpicky at the moment, which I, I don't like to do, but it's something that jumped out at me. Huh. Well, you know, to each did everybody views things differently. No, no question about that. It, it did. It never, it never struck me. I, I was, I was super impressed with both of the, the daughter's performances and they never really took me out of it, but she was definitely, she was kind of supplying that you know, optimism sort of thing that, you know, young Keanu Reeves had, you know, she was kind of supplying all that. Like she really had all that, that kind of full body excitement behind things, which I thought was pretty cool. But I mean, I also think it's worth talking about the princesses, uh, since they've been portrayed by different actresses in every movie. Oh my God. Yeah. I was the whole time I was watching, I was wondering how many of these people are the people who played these parts in the original movies. Like Ted's dad clearly was. I'm pretty sure Death was the same guy. Oh, Death yeah. was the same guy. Missy was the same. I, but that was one Missy I wasn't sure. And I wasn't sure about Logan either. No, Logan. No, not Logan. Uh, or Deacon. De- Deacon? Deacon. Yeah, Thank no, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean. I, I had no idea because he was a kid. Yeah, Deacon was just yeah, a little kid in that first movie. And the, uh, this Deacon was played by um, Beck Bennett from Saturday Night Live. Oh, all right. Which, I mean, you know, it could just be that that kid, Deacon, isn't really an actor anymore. Yeah. He could be dead. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't recognize him anyway. You know, he's like yeah, no, years old. No, I, I'm not, it's I'm like, not remember when that they got a different actor. I remember when that curious. kid from Iron Man 3 showed up at the end of uh, the Adventure, Avengers Endgame? And, like, everyone was like, who the hell is that? Because yeah. the camera, like, centered on him for a minute. Now, I remember sitting in the theater like... I, I have I got nothing. I, I mean, watched I, all these movies. I I mean I just watched all the, we we marathoned <laughs> Ooh, them heading up that I have no idea who that's supposed to be. And then I looked it up after it's like, oh wow. All right. I mean that makes sense that they centered on that kid, but like You put five years on a, a seven year old, yeah, that's a different that's person. That's a different person. <laughs> I was not that did not track for me. I watched yeah. people in the movie theater actively pull out their phones and go, Who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I feel like they did it a couple other times. Though I feel like they really, I they must have gone to some effort to grab up cast members uh, anywhere they could. Oh, definitely. I mean, they they pulled a just about everyone who you know, reprised a role was who they were, right? I mean, um, I, I, the princesses. I wasn't even sure. I was like, are these the princesses from one of the earlier movies? I was like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't notice. I think they had to have the princesses not be. Because they were totally different in one and two, so I think you had to recast them for three just to keep up with the joke. Yeah, like if they if they had reprised their, it would have been funny if they had them reprise roles of like just to, to show up as different roles and have some sort of joke about them looking familiar. But you know, whatever. 
or had the one girl from the first one and the other girl from the second one. <laughs> that would have been, and then good. some line about we've grown apart or something, or I don't know. That that would have that would have been a that would have been an entertaining choice as well. Even would've though even though it was different actresses playing the princess princesses in all three movies, they were still somehow like equally likable. Like you, like you were never like oh these princesses were better. Like you know. Yeah, no. Well, they never really had much of a role. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean this is definitely their meatiest part. I guess, I guess they've always been a little underwritten as they've been reduced to just the babes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I did like that. I did like that they had a arc of sorts in this movie and that they had a little more to do. Like, it was nice. And you know what? You, you said they were all equally likable. That actually does say something for these uh, for the actresses that played the role because you're talking about the females that are dating the the characters that you are meant to love like you you love bill and ted they're eternally optimistic in the first couple and maybe not so much in the third one but you're on their side like they're they're sold to you as these are the good guys you know they might be boneheads but they're the good guys and you're rooting for them so to play their uh their love interests you you got to you got to hit that on the head or the, or the crowd's going to be against you because why do you deserve Bill and Ted? Bill and Ted are great. They are the apex good guys of this movie. And even in this one, where their girls are taking them to couples counseling and threatening to divorce them, I still liked them. I was like, no, these, these chicks are good. Yeah, because they really, really, really wanted them to to be better. And not like you know, they needed fixing, but they kind of did. They grew into like barely functional man children and... They need. They were. They weren't asking for much. I figured. I thought that what the princesses were asking for was, was totally reasonable. And I. I. I really loved the way that they handled them. I. I liked their whole relationship. I thought it was great. When Bill keeps coming back over the course of time, sometimes like when they would travel through time and they would, you know, they would their paths their paths would cross with the, the princesses and Bill would continue to be like, we're gonna fix it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was comic gold. Like it, it was, was comic gold. I was hoping. I I think they could have done it at least one more time. I did he hit that joke twice or three times? Maybe I think they could have thrown another one in there towards the end. It yeah, was, I'd agree with you there. That was that was a solid gag. Every time he did it, I was just like, "This is brilliant." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's see. What haven't we talked about? We haven't talked about the death robot. The death yeah. We well. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. I have. I have a lot of stuff that I. Uh, that I still want to talk about. Um, well, is it Dennis Caleb McCoy. Well, wait, right? can I Dennis? ask this before we talk about Dennis Caleb McCoy? I I don't know who Kid Cudi is really. Like, I don't know his music. I think I saw him on Saturday Night Live once. He was like, you know, enjoyable enough. But was Kid Cudi supposed to be Station? What? I don't think so. But maybe. Like I never never crossed my mind, but he he is the one that said station. He, he says station, and he seems to be like the only one who knows about you know quantum physics and like oh, and you know time travel theory. Like whenever they need somebody to say some smart unintelligible thing that the audience will nod its head at and go like, yeah, that checks out because I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Like he was the one who said it. Um and like i don't know in the 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 cavalcade of bill and ted characters like I, I guess you would expect that to be you know the person that was set up as being the smartest person in the universe but there was really no place for a giant 
monster alien that could divide in half and then like come back together with a giant butt in this movie. So, um, I, I don't know. Was he like supposed to be I, I, when he said it at the end of the movie and he's like station, I was like, what? Like, what is, what is that? So you think he's like an alien on earth in disguise? I mean, maybe or you think he evolves or you think his soul is reborn. Like this, I guess there's a lot of options there. Just to be clear, this whole movie was just an allegory for Scientology, right? <laughs> that's, that's what happened here. <laughs> I just want to make sure that, no, I, I miss that about uh, Kid Cudi entirely. I don't really know his music either. Jacqueline knew who he was. Um, Remember in um, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when they were like the the band at the end that they that, that played that song? And they were like, yeah, it's these guys. And they were like... It's Prince's backup band. I, I, is that who it was? Because I never yeah. knew who it was. So I just assumed this is like some sort of important music person that I just don't know what it is. I'm not giving them their fair shake. But it's like Prince's backup band from when Prince started, but they kept going and made their own music. Um, oh, what is their name? Uh, and they had some hits after Prince, I think. Uh, I can't remember what it is. I'm, not that I'm an expert by any stretch, but yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, I mean, that's. I just assumed that this was some sort of thing that was. It was funny that this guy was super smart. Uh, that's 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 how I looked at it. Okay. That's what I thought it was, too, until Paul pointed out the fact that he says station at the end, which at first I thought was just a throwaway to, you know, throwaway reference or whatever. But now I'm like, yeah, I just assumed like, well, yeah, I mean, this guy's supposed to piece this together. He's the super smart guy. So, of course, he he knows station, right? That's that's a super smart guy sort of thing to know. It's been bothering me. That's as far as I got with it. It's been bothering me for like all four times I watched the movie, like uh, I've I've now (laughs) watched it four times and I, I feel like I'm no closer to understanding that moment. I think what we got to do is watch the scenes with Kid Cudi in slow motion and compare his ass to pictures of him not in the movie. If if he's wearing a prosthetic ass, if his ass is extra large in those scenes, then I think he's clearly supposed to be stationed. That's solid. I'll go with that. That's the best I got. The that I got. that logic tracks 100%. So, <laughs> Dennis Caleb McCoy. Did he play... So when that robot came on, Jacqueline was like... That's the guy from Gotham. Is it the guy from Gotham that played uh, uh, Zaz or whatever I think she said? I did not watch Gotham. Oh, all right. Not that it matters, but then at least I know who the actor is. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, I was vehemently opposed to Gotham because I... I was irrationally angered by Batman things that did not have Batman in them. Um (laughs) <laughs> Although I now I have um, now I've made peace with that and and found some shows that I I like that are Batman properties that don't have Batman in them, but um, uh, no the Dennis Caleb McCoy guy um, I don't know what the actor's name is but he's in I don't know if anybody watches that show called Barry where Bill Heater is a assassin and an and a like and a budding actor. Mm-mm. I don't no. want. I know he's an assassin that wants to yes. be an actor, but but that the the guy that plays Dennis Caleb McCoy is in that show, and he's fucking hilarious. Like he plays this, um, like this head of this crime syndicate that's like sort of like talks with this like half German act accent, and he's like this like overly friendly guy, and he's like. I, he, I, it seems like you don't see him that much, but when you see him, he's like solidly 
hilarious. <laughs> he was indeed Victor Zaz in Gotham. Oh, well, that is not is a hilarious character. No. It's the opposite no. of hilarious. He also played the mist on the flesh. Oh, okay. Oh, there's that. Look at that. Yeah. I stopped watching the flash. I, I watched it up to the last season, like the season that just came out, but not because I stopped watching, just because I haven't watched last season's stuff yet. The the robot, to get back to Bill and Ted, the robot character, I wasn't sure of at first. He had the one funny bit where he kills the wrong people, and then he apologizes for it. And then uh, I feel like he started getting this groove where he kept saying his name. I feel like if there's an, a director's cut... With like ten minutes of additional footage worked in there, and two or three minutes focus on him, I I feel like I got a couple laughs out of him. I feel like a little bit more development on the character, and it, there could have been. I think those jokes would have landed that much bigger. Um, I, I enjoyed him. I I don't think he. I thought he was going to be problematic at first. When I first saw him, I was like, this doesn't, this isn't good. But no, <laughs> uh, I liked him. He had some good some good laugh moments. I think two three more minutes of building those laugh moments up and they would have they would have really kicked it out of the park i think i do that for my ex-boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> i think that um i think that in the way that this movie was built that death couldn't be the butt of their jokes so they needed somebody to be the butt of the jokes and it was it was dennis caleb mccoy like he was like, he was the guy that everybody rolled their eyes at and was like, oh, this guy has to be here. Um, and I thought he had some, like, funny moments with Death, you know, where Death is like, like, no, rocking's not that easy. Like, you gotta, you know, you gotta do this to rock. He's 100% right about the tambourine, by the way. Like, all right, so I'm, I, I used to be a musician, and I've been in bands, and there's definitely been people that have been like, oh, let me be the tambourine girl. And I'm like, you don't understand... That's not as easy as you think it is. The tambourine's kind of difficult to play right. And I remember sitting in my car with this girl, and she was like, all right, I'm going to play the tambourine for this show. And I was like, all right, then play along to this song. And like we spent the entire like hour drive getting from point A to point B to where the show was, and she could not nail the tambourine because it's not easy. <laughs> if you don't have an inherent sense of rhythm, rhythm like, d- death was not wrong. Tambourine, not easy. That checks out. I believe that. Tambourine's not easy. Now you got something to quote when you're trying to tell people, please put down the tambourine. There you go. Tambourine's not easy. The way that the robot kept saying his name, Dennis Caleb McCoy, like I I continued to laugh at it, but I also feel like maybe that was one of those station moments. You know what I mean? Like the 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 story uh-huh. that you told Chris about how they kept laughing at this like thing that they did while they were high, like it just feels like that was one of those weird things in the writing room. Like, oh, the robot's name should be Dennis. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it should be Dennis Caleb McCoy. Yeah, he should just say that over and over again. You know, like, it it was a weird choice that I ultimately kept laughing at, but it, it felt like it was it was something that somebody laughed at once because they were high or something, and then it just continued to be in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, Dennis was just shy of brilliant. Um, I feel like with just a little bit more work, they could have made that uh, just absolutely brilliant. Instead, it was just really funny, um, which is fine. Uh, but I do, I did, I did kind of feel like there are certain aspects of Dennis that were like, I mean, God, some of the deliveries though, when he like, you know, accidentally killed. Uh, was it? Was it when he killed his dad? And he was like, 
Oh no! <laughs> you just start seeing these little cracks of like, because he initially presents himself as this just death robot, and then he just he starts you start to see these little cracks of like, huh? Uh, oh, what? <laughs> what is this robot? What? Why is this personality attached? To when them? he kills the daughters and Kelly and all the historical characters, he goes, oh, I, oh, oh. <laughs> like that was the one i laughed at the hardest yeah Yeah. and i feel like that him like being a killer robot but very aware of his mistakes was kind of cool and then like as he started getting more of a personality i did really enjoy that like bill and ted were trying to be nice to him but they were like you know you just killed everybody could you all right, fine. Come with us. Like they were being kind enough, but they were like super annoyed that they had to keep him with them. And like he said, it was kind of like, kind of like replacing the death part. Um, just not quite as good as death, you know, cause, cause death was great in bogus journey. Yeah, well, nothing ever will be as great as death was in bogus journey. Ah, <laughs> uh, it was great seeing, seeing him reprise that role that yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they lent, Again, to, to kind of draw another parallel to Cobra Kai, like Cobra Kai does this thing where it keeps pulling from Karate Kid mythology that I would imagine they probably would have just wanted to gloss over because like Karate Kid 2 and 3 aren't good movies, <laughs> especially 3 is like 3 is really out there. And they're bringing Terry Silver in for the last season of the of the show. Like, they're they're leaning right at note. They're not forgetting. They're not glossing over any of the, even the stuff that people don't particularly care for overall. Like, it's all it's all canon. It's all there. So that they they went right in with everything that happened in Bogus Journey, good or bad. Like, nah, this this all happened. We're we are making a sequel to that movie and. I, I really respected their attention to detail and continuity, especially for a movie that's so flimsily built on crazy time travel theory. I, uh, so I gotta, I gotta say this as far as like uh, tying things back to Bogus Journey a little bit. So, um, well, so first of all, with with Face the Music, um, like like all three of these movies end with a like a spectacle. You know, they end with a yeah. a um, you know, a big show of sorts. Uh, in an excellent adventure, it's their history report. In Bogus Journey, it's the Battle of the Bands, and like, you know, I felt like this spectacle like didn't disappoint. Like, I I don't know if twenty years from now I will look at this movie and go like, oh, that concert wasn't really that cool. But like, the the fact that it was supposed to be the thing that you know balanced the universe and and um fixed the the reality falling apart. Like I, I really feel like it had a, a big spectacle level about it and that it was cool to watch. Um, yeah, I couldn't possibly agree with that more. And especially this time it really got me of just like the overwhelming positivity of it. Like the, the overwhelming positivity of using music to basically overcome all the stupid, like, because there's so much stupid in the world. Like, Earth is awful. <laughs> Humanity is trash. And yet here we are just handing out instruments to everybody and playing this music that 
it starts off so rough, like everyone's doing their own thing, and then it starts to come together piece by piece, and it's just, it's kind of magical, and it really, really, I mean, it, 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 it got me in the feels, as they say. Like, I, I really, really appreciated that. Like, I really appreciated that scene a lot. I think it's done extraordinarily well, and like, when Ted explains that he's like just one hymn from an infinite hymns or something like that. Cause that was just the, the sketchiest of all possible things. Like, no, this, this doesn't make any sense and it's fine. It doesn't need to just, it, it looks amazing. And it was, it was a really, really impressive thing to see. I, I loved it. It was, I'll say this about it. And it, I'm being nitpicky. Uh, I don't mean to say I didn't like it. I loved it. The, the first one, when I rewatched that, whatever it was, two weeks ago, it it blew me away how good a lot of the music in it was. Uh-huh, yeah. And the second one, the concert, at least the, the song at the very end, was really on point as far as the feel of that scene. Whereas this one was on point as far as the feel, but it, I don't think it was as good. The song itself wasn't as good as like the song in the second one lining up with the scene. I've only seen it once, and I'll watch it again. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the second one nailed it, and the first one, I feel like the whole soundtrack. I was like, I should go get this soundtrack. This is, this is good. Yeah, stuff. I love listening to that. I when they go to the future, that whatever dancing in the streets all night song plays. I'm like, man, that just that just that gets that gets me like choked up every time i hear it like it just, that the sound of that just reminds me so very much of that specific time period which is so wonderfully nostalgic for me like that yeah the soundtrack in the first one is just astronomical yeah. but that they followed up that performance in the third one with the, the 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 fact of the matter is it wasn't the song it was that everyone worked together to play it that's what made it work so even though i do agree that song itself wasn't quite as good. I, I, I wouldn't say it's as. I, I liked it better than the, the song in the second one, but it, it hits a lot more of the sonic notes that I look for out of music, and uh, it was very, it was very chanty. It had to be very, it had to be very openly accessible because it had to incorporate pretty much every kind of music in the world and work with every kind of instrument that was out there. It was a very intelligently put together song, and. It seemed to make a lot of sense, uh, and and just the fact that they kept showing all these different, you know, di- different people all over the world, and then that part after where it, it it hammers home that the what really brought it together wasn't the fact that the song itself it was that they had everybody do it together, and it just it just really works for me. It it just really really worked for me, and it hit me super hard the other night when I was watching it and even following up with those, those credits where they're showing just people playing music and like just, just the power of music and how important that is to uh, uh, being kind of like the ultimate human uniting factor is, is music. And uh, I mean, I spend so much time disseminating music on, on, on multiple levels. It's just kind of a, a, a part of my life and that, it focused on just the, the actual core of what music is not even focusing on something like lyrics. It was all about melody and feeling and they just completely nailed that. And I, I don't know. I I feel like I'm rambling. It just, it really, really, really affected me, especially this time watching it. And I I thought it was gorgeous. Well, that's, that's funny that it's the music thing that, affected you because for me i think it was the 
the family thing that affected me with the uh the end of the movie um uh, uh my, there's so many things that you said that i want to get back to oh, but god. um god when he says we're your backup band or something like that i was like ah. Oh my god, that killed me. Well, it was so it was such a gorgeous line. Well, oh, that was so wonderful. You know, for me, um you know, when I said like uh, like I didn't know that I needed a a a conclusion to the Bill and Ted story, you know, I I think that the thing maybe one of the reasons that this had such a big impact on me and I think one of the big things that it has going for it as far as like appealing to us and people our age is that like now Bill and Ted, you know, have kids and they, uh, you know, they're adults and they have all the problems that go with adults. Um, and, uh, you know, like as far as the like nostalgic stuff of the, the first movies, like the, the things that were important to them then were the things that were important to me. And the fact that they were sort of eternally optimistic, you know, the thing that those first movies had going for them is that the other person in that friendship is the most important person to them. You know, in, Mm -hmm. in excellent adventure. All right. Yeah. They're supposed to write the song that's going to save the world. And, you know they have to pass their it's a it's a very cause and effect thing and they have to pass their history report so that you know they can they can stay together as a band and do this work but like really it's like i don't want my friend to be shipped off to military school like they're they're yeah. so selfless in the fact that like everything that they do for each is for each other and then in this movie you know i felt like it was that everything that they do is for their family. And I was so glad that the actor that played Ted's dad came back for this. Um, you know, because I mean, we already sort of mentioned that line in that they had in hell where they sort of, you know, reconcile or whatever, but like, yeah, Ted's dad was down on him for like, two movies about being a fuck up and like, you know, that their band's never going to amount to anything. And it's, it's reiterated in the beginning of this movie that that wedding scene in this movie does a lot of heavy lifting with explaining, um, well, not just with the, the Deacon and Missy joke, but with, you know, explaining, uh, you know, the little bill and little Ted thing and, you know, and sort of like summing up that relationship with his dad. And like, honestly, the, the sort of positivity at the end of that movie, there, there was this one part that, that I feel like if you got up and went to the bathroom at the long, wrong time, you missed it. And you like, you just missed the magicalness of this moment. But it was, you know, it was, I think it was sort of right after that countdown of like this, this was the countdown to destruction and this music is going to save everything. And you, you also had the, the family dynamic with, Rufus's daughter because the that great leader she turns to Kristen Shaw and she goes your father would oh, be yeah. so proud of you and then yet like you get this little tw- twinge in your heart and you're like oh god Rufus like yeah you know and then the very next shot is 
like Bill high fiving the daughters and Ted high fiving his dad on the stage. And like right there at that moment, it like crushed me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, this is, you know, like this really makes it a movie about family and what's important. And I, I think that, you know, like kind of in the same way that, um, like Fast and the Furious. <laughs> family. <laughs> no, no, that's like that's like in your face, heavy handed talk about family. Um, I was gonna say uh, like um, something like Guardians of the Galaxy two. You know how like at the, at the end mm-hmm. of that they all have their sort of little ending arc with their family that sort of ends so seamlessly. Like I felt like it was the same thing with this moment in Bill and Ted like that was like the conclusion to three family story endings all in one shot and it was brilliant I thought yeah like I feel like Bill's dad missing was kind of weird but I don't even know where you'd fit that in um and you know Bill's dad wasn't much of a, a presence you know what I mean like Ted's dad was was a presence a villainous one at that and I also really loved that they found a way to reconcile that. I mean, it, it took them dying and literally going to hell, but for him to believe his son, but you know, that just goes more to, to Ted's ultimately uh, positive personality that he was willing to immediately forgive him on the spot for not believing him, f- believing in him for like his entire life. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was, it was a, it's weird to say, you know, just like, just like how Cobra Kai has gotten me in the feels a couple of times. It's weird to say that Bill and Ted has like this wonderful, emotionally resonant moment, but you know, there it is. And that's kind of what makes it so special to me. And that's why when we're talking about overall rankings, I put this one over two because two doesn't have two doesn't hit me that the way that this one does. It hits me in nostalgia. And I do think that it's very funny, but like there are moments in one where I just kind of stop and, just kind of gawk at the, the the sheer absurdity of it yet at the same token like you can tell how much love was put into this thing and like these characters and whatnot and it just kind of i think is relatively awe-inspiring and that this movie even exists that they they said now we're gonna make a third bill and ted movie 20 some odd years later and we're gonna make it good like they had been you know they've been talking about this for 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 decades like oh we're gonna make a third one and they're like not until not until the script's good enough. You know, we'll come back and do it, no question, but only when it's worth coming back to do. And I think that this, they think they really nailed it. This was absolutely worth coming back to do. They, they gave it a good reason to exist, not like, you know, the live-action Aladdin movie that has no good reason to exist. Like, there are a lot of sequels and things out there that just, like, this clearly exists for profit, and this one's just like... I have we have this other story to tell with these characters, so let's do it. And I think that's wonderful. That's what that's what I thought we were getting. I thought this was going to be just an attack on. They were like, we can capitalize on the nostalgia that everyone feels towards the first two. And you're right that that's a hundred percent not what it was. This was uh, you. If if this was a planned trilogy, I think the only thing that would have been different is like you said earlier, the end of the second one got a little got a little weird <laughs> with some of the claims they made in the newspapers. But other than that. Like, this fit in nicely, it had its own point, it had its own purpose, and yet, so it's fine as a standalone purpose, and it brings the whole trilogy together nicely. So That's 
That's what I was going to say about the second one. Chris, what was the line that you said that ended the the third one? What was the line that you quoted about playing all the music together? I don't know the exact line, but it wasn't it, it wasn't the song. It was that everyone worked together to make it. I, I don't know what the exact line is. Do you is. feel like that was sort of the like positive message that was supposed to quantify the movie the like sort of like positive tagline if you will yeah i i think that was kind of overall the 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 purpose was that you know much can be overcome if we just you know find common ground and work together because the band itself kind of made that point too you you had like a rapper and a and a rock and roll guy and a this and that it's like it didn't matter i think it was kind of hedging towards that of you know we're all doing our own thing, but as long as we're all working together, because mm-hmm. everything. I was right. looking for the the line like that. Um, I I regularly quote the line at the end of Bogus Journey where they go, "We've been to the past, we've been to the future, we've been all around the afterlife, but the best place to be is right here. The best time to be is now." <laughs> like. <laughs> It makes me laugh every time, and it's like, it's not quite the like cornerstone moment that is in the first one where Abraham Lincoln says, "Be excellent to each party other on? and party <laughs> on, dudes." Uh-huh. Um, you know, but like each one sort of had that line that was sort of like intertwined with that like spectacle moment, and I was sort of looking for it in this movie, um, and uh, when. <laughs> When we were, when I was watching, when I was rewatching *Excellent Adventure* and *Bogus Journey*, and Sherry came down for the tail end of *Bogus Journey*, you know, she she probably caught, um, probably caught the like heaven part onward, um, and uh, you know, we we finished watching the movie, and she goes, you know, that one didn't have a great ending, and I go, oh, you you mean the fact that they did this like weird bizarre stage show that what it felt like for the battle of the bands and then they immediately got into a phone booth and did 16 months of guitar training and then came back and played a kiss song like you didn't feel like that was a good ending (laughs) keanu reeves is wearing what's effectively an umpire like chest plate thing and bill's got a zz top beard like no, the ZZ Top beard is solid, and if he grew that in sixteen months, I am impressed because I haven't shaved since COVID, and I, I do not have a beard that oh, long. Oh, can I, can I say this? This was a note that I made about Face the Music when they went to the future in Face the Music, and they met with that you know council of great ones or whatever they were. I wrote, I ma- uh-huh. I literally wrote a note that said, "Oh, good, the costume design in the future mellowed out a lot." Because, because like, I didn't mind. They're the, not wearing giant foam boots. Yeah, and stuff. like I didn't mind the costume design in uh, in Excellent Adventure. You know, like I I felt like it wasn't brilliant, but it was like sort of relatively believable that they kind of dressed in these like muted colors and they had these you know like silver belts and like sunglasses and stuff. But yeah, and it was solid sci-fi. Yeah, stuff. and Bogus Journey, like like. The costume design of Bogus Journey is just off the rails. Like they're wearing, they just big, like just put foam yeah, on everything, foam, just foam everything, everything. Or then when they go to heaven, like everybody's dressed in pastels. Like it's 
I, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm glad somebody had a good time, but it was noticeably weird. <laughs> so I kid you not, when when I watched rewatched the second one and I saw that opening scene, there was like 30 people walking around in the giant foam stuff. I instantly hopped on eBay and 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 the computer in general and tried to find that. I was like. There's like 30 pairs of these foam boots out there and like 90 of these hats. Like, how much could it possibly cost? I just want, not, not that Bill or Ted wore or even Rufus, just I just want a random hat that was worn in Bill and Ted 2 in the future. One of these big foam nonsense pieces. I couldn't find it. I found a bunch of props from Bill and Ted, but, but none of those. People wanted real money for the, you know, the actual jacket from the first movie. Or uh-huh. whatever. And I was thinking like, I'd give 50 bucks for a pair of those boots. I'll just wear them around. The uh, the other note that I wrote down about the future is like I have a real concern that there's going to be no tacos in the future because the that great leader said something about like yeah and then you you played two dollar taco night you know at whatever this bar was and then she goes whatever that means and I was like oh god are there no tacos in the future this is going to be awful oh, that would that would, yeah. But if but if we go with demolition man time travel, then there's only tacos in the future. And also, if the children's book dragons uh, dragons love tacos have proven everything anything, it's that tacos are safe for all time because they time traveled back to when they had the taco party and the dragons all got you know upset stomachs because you know spicy salsa gives dragons the tummy troubles. But they took tacos back into the future and then planted taco trees and now there's a taco forest so tacos are totally safe it's amazing how often tacos and time travel become intertwined well and now we know that there are multiple uh multiple timelines with multiple outcomes so there could totally be a taco list world and then a world full of taco trucks like when when the I think this movie proved there can't be. If you end up in a tacoless world, it's going to fall apart. That's that was the point of the movie. It wasn't about family <laughs> or music. It was if tacos don't survive, the world will be destroyed. Remember mm. uh, back during the, um, the the 2016 election when there was that talk about like, oh, if you know if we don't build a border wall, there's going to be taco trucks on every corner. And I was like, I want taco trucks on every corner. Like <laughs> that's the world I want to live in. Not going to lie. This bag wasn't designed for tacos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is it? It's a. Uh, I have a hard enough time just fitting the mail. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I, I think me and Chris are on the exact same page. It not only is it good, but I think the ranking is one three two, right? That's that's my ranking one one three two. Uh, if I'm if I'm doing all three of these, movies. I think it's clear. Paul's in agreement that it's a. A good movie, for, but out of curiosity, what's for your me? Ranking? It goes one, two, three. I mean, I I love this third one. I think I just poured my heart out to you about how much I love it. But I think the mis- the nostalgia factor of the of the old ones is never gonna is never gonna surpass this for me. Um, so for sure, me, it goes sure. one, two, three. That's fair. And again, That's that fair. implies that they got worse, which they did not. I, I just if I had to rank them, it would be one, oh, right. two, three. Yeah. That's that. That's fair. I I can I can get behind that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. I mean, I guess we're we're at like an hour and a half right now. Does anybody else have anything else to add to to this? Do we want? I mean, I, I don't want a fourth one. I I think it has to stop here. Right, it's done. They told the story. They saved the the universe. It's a oh. trilogy. It wraps up. I 
I don't want yeah, another one. Yeah, I agree. One. Th- 3 is a great number. I don't I don't want another one. Um Yeah, the I think the only other thing I would sort of add to our discussion here is um is uh just how much I liked the um the alternate timeline versions of of Bill and Ted. Um you know, like uh, <laughs> this I think this movie had to you know, it had to tell a lot of stories and it had to focus on more than one thing because it was focusing on the the different elements of their family. And like, you know, I think it was cool the the journey that their daughters took, it, you know, it felt like it was distinct enough from excellent adventure, you know, that they were, but it also mirrored. Yeah. Excellent yeah it was all the stuff know? that you liked from excellent adventure, like collecting people through time and having adventures through time. But it was this like but, putting a band together, um, but also, like, I, I also really want to say this because I forgot to mention it earlier, but this is a perfect time to mention it, is that so uh, their daughters were raised on music. Like, they know music. Oh, yeah. And one thing I loved about that is, like, when you're seeing Bill and Ted travel through time and pick up the uh, the historical figures, they're like, all right, let's grab this dude. Like, they don't mean much to them. Like, their historical significance, they have to learn that. But man, when you get to the scene where they both stand in front of Jimi Hendrix playing and the look on their face is just to hear that live, like these characters really appreciate being here and listening to these characters, these these historical figures, they understand why they're important and they're in awe of them just standing there. Like I loved so much about that, seeing these musicians, how they how you think they really would react if they got to be in the same room as these other musicians throughout history. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a wonderful, wonderful addition to it's this. A, it's another reason I thought that the, those, those two actresses that played the daughters were like, so wonderful is like, I, I thought that was one of the most honest and funny lines in the movie. When, uh, when Jimi Hendrix slams the door on them and she just she just looks at the other one, you know, uh, uh, Thea just looks at at Billy and goes, "Dude, we need Jimi Hendrix." <laughs> like it was like, <laughs> and it was about to go into the whole uh, like I was really expecting them to go into the whole van. You know, we need Eddie Van Halen for a music video thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> they kind of did a reference to that that joke. You caught that, right? I mean, the circular logic joke. Oh, God. Towards the beginning when Bill and Ted are headed into their garage and they get in there and the daughters are in there, like, listening to music or whatever, that scene where they're walking up, they kind of do that circular logic Uh joke. We have to fix our marriages. To do that, we have to write the perfect song. But to do that, we have to, like... Yeah, They did reference that. They did reference that, yeah. I I think they they managed to uh, grab most of the, the great bits and at least give them a head nod. Yeah. Definitely. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. Get back back to your original point. Oh yeah, I was just saying. I, I love um, I, I love the alternate timeline versions of of Bill and Ted, and like I I feel like they had so much fun playing them that like that was that was sort of a logical next step for like what they were gonna do as actors, you know? Because in the in the in Bogus Journey, I think they got to have like a little bit of fun because they were the they were the um the uh the the vision the 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 scenes that they were in in hell the easter bunny and the um 
the well, I don't think Ted was the Easter Bunny, but Bill was definitely the old lady Bill, um, the grandma Bill. Ted, oh, was that Alex yeah. Winter? I did not know yeah. that. Oh um, man, I never I knew that. Entirely, yeah. So yeah, I mean the fact that they <laughs> that they got to be these other you know other timeline versions of themselves, and that like you would sort of track the logic of like how they thought they could fool their past selves, like that that part <laughs> where they were pretending to be British, just fucking cracked my shit up oh my god and then like you know when when they they come back in and you know they're like you know this isn't your song it's dave Grohl's song you know and like bill does that little like almost fake you know impression of himself where he's like why haven't you gone into the future yet <laughs> like, like, it was uh, like i don't know the the watching them do that stuff was so much fun i i, I just thought that was such a um a great uh an, a great angle to the movie like a great a great place to go with this when you thought like where could they possibly go with this you know and the beefy uh prison costume like that was really impressive i don't i mean i, I assume those were like body suits that they were in that made them all beefed up like that but they were very impressive yeah. they didn't look like floofy body suits like they looked like they were ripped and that was very that I could tell that there was something not real going on, but it was a very, very special effect. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Uh, I, I think that should just about wrap it up. I mean, we've been talking for about as long as the movie is. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you could listen to our podcast or you could just go watch the movie. You know, either one. <laughs> Actually, if you start the movie and our podcast at the same time, you'll ruin both. <laughs> the... Uh... We didn't talk about what we're gonna watch next. Oh yeah, no, that's that's what's well, next. You, that's, you uh, also didn't ask your um your would you recommend this movie question. Oh, that's a that's that's a solid point. Well, I mean, I I think we have our answer, but would Paul, do you recommend this movie? Um, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, yeah, I, I I guess what I would say is, um, like, yeah, like yes, of course, I'm gonna recommend this movie. Like, of course. I love this movie. Um, now, I guess what I will say is I fully accept that there are going to be people out there that don't want to watch a third Bill and Ted movie, like that are like, why would I possibly watch this? And, and what does this have going for it? You know? And I would say like, if you don't have the nostalgic factor of the first two movies, you know, you might not be amped for this movie. Um, and, you know, also I think that um, some people are resistant to this because I think it does suffer a little bit from the, like, mediocre white guy syndrome, you know? Like, like I think people that are tired of just seeing, uh, you know, like, mediocre white guys fail upward and, you know, go into this, like world changing thing when they sort of don't deserve to, that that's a thing that people are resistant about in movies like this. But I, I think that if you have any sort of past knowledge of Bill and Ted, and you think you might like this movie that you should watch it because you know, the, the, the thing that Bill and Ted have always had going for them is this unbridled optimism. Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that sort of that's 
that's why these characters have had such a long-lasting effect. Like, we, we've called them knuckleheads or boneheads or whatever. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, things you can describe people that are, you know, just like not the brightest bulbs or whatever. But, you know, the fact that they are so important to each other and in this movie that their families become so core and important, I think is... You know, I, I think it's a, a thing that the movie has going for it. So it, if you if you think that you might like it, I would say watch it because, uh, you know, I think it's one of those movies that will surprise you. I thought I was going to hate it and I really enjoyed it. So <laughs> I would say even if you don't think you're going to like it, I would say if 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 you saw the first two Bill and Ted's and like them at all, watch this movie. It, it'll be even if you thought you didn't need another one. It It's great. It, it tacks. It tacks along with the first two, so if you like them, think you're going to enjoy this. If you hated the first two, then no, don't watch this. That's that's a terrible yeah. plan. And if you haven't seen the first two, don't watch this. It won't make a whole lot of sense. Go watch the first. One. Yeah, I um, I, I I heartily recommend this, but I also heartily recommend watching all three. Like, don't watch this out of sequence. This isn't going to mean much to you if you haven't seen. It's like watching Return of the King if you haven't watched you know the first two Lord of the Rings movies. It's that's just silly. Um. It's. I. I think it's great. I think it's as as good as this movie could have possibly been, uh, to exist. And especially considering how much negativity exists in the world, something so overwhelmingly positive, mediocre white guys or not. I mean, it's funny to say that because if you look at this movie from the first two, they do seem like just the most mediocre white guys, right? But by the time they're old, looking at them now. Like these, these, these characters don't have an ounce of hate in their bodies. There's nothing mediocre about that. That actually makes them quite unique and special. And in fact, they're the kinds of people, you know, regardless of their, you know, relative stupidity, they're the kind of people that is, are easy to look up to because they're just positive and that's a rarity. So yeah, I, I think this movie is wonderful and I highly recommend it. Okay. It's time for us to discuss what our next film is going to be. Our next recording date is theoretically somewhere around the Tuesday, July 27th vicinity. We'll, we'll discuss exactly when we were recording, but so we're looking somewhere towards the end of July. Upcoming movies, new things that are on the table. I, I found a couple that looked like big blockbustery things. We have Black Widow coming out on July 9th. We have Space Jam, A New Legacy on July 16th. We have Snake Eyes, that's a G.I. Joe thing, on, September, uh, on, on July 23rd. Or do we just move on to the letter C? I, I'm in love with the idea of moving through the alphabet, but I'll, I'll defer to you guys. I like the idea of moving through the alphabet. I'm obviously going to watch Black Widow. Like I'm going to watch that. And if you don't think we're going to spend some time talking about that when I come over to record, you're, you're dreaming. Like That's going to happen. Um, but if you want to record us talking about a C movie, I think that leads us down uh, down some more interesting roads. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm really enjoying the alphabet thing. And I think there's... I mean, we spent a bunch of time talking about Fast and Furious movies. I think there's a 0% chance we don't talk about Black Widow. So, uh, yeah, I say we... Uh, we stick with the alphabet and make some picks based on the letter C. So, what do we have in mind? So, I have a terrible suggestion as as for par. I think that might be my uh, my go to move. 
uh, and we'll just see someday I'll win and we'll watch something terrible. I was originally going to say Cabinet of Dr. Calgary, which I'm just going to tell the two of you to go watch. I don't think we should do it because the uh, that's not even my suggestion. We shouldn't do that one because it's a silent film. It's black and white. And I think it's only like maybe 45 minutes long, probably. So I don't know how we would talk about it for an hour. Um, but it's really weird looking. Um, so I think Paul would really enjoy it. Chris, I don't know. Maybe you'll enjoy it. I, I don't think know. I've, think, think I think about I've it. seen it, but I think I saw it in film school. So me trying to talk about it would be... Would be hard. I'd have to refresh myself. Yeah, yes. So instead, I'm going to suggest a movie that I've never actually watched. I've referenced, I've seen bits of, but I've never sat and watched the whole thing, and it's not good, and somebody should come up with a better one. But I'm going to suggest the 1984, 85 classic, Chud. <laughs> uh, Paul's laughing. You know what I'm talking it? about? Cannibal, cannibal humanoid, humanoid underground something or other. Dwellers, maybe? Oh, my. Do you I, not know this one, Chris? No, I'm unfamiliar. It is like a... Uh, it's a cult classic type it's thing. A, it's a trauma uh, film, right? It's like Toxic Avenger, right? It's like Toxic or Avenger. Or Class of right? Newcomb oh High. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All uh, right. Chud is referenced... People use the word chud, and they're referencing this, and I don't think they know that they're referencing this. I had no idea. And uh, I've never sat and watched the whole thing, so that I was like, all right, that's going to be my suggestion. I'm sure we'd have... Something to say about it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I'm I'm definitely gonna watch that whether we pick it or not. But um, <laughs> uh, okay. me too. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna go a little bit of a different path uh, than I decided to go last time. You know, I had said that last time I wanted to try to pick movies that I hadn't seen before, and I wanted to try to pick like you know notable things that I should have seen and I just didn't and this would be my chance to watch them um, again there's going to be some times where I'm going to pick things that I really want to subject you guys to but um, you know I sort of have this idea of, of picking things I haven't seen before so this time I am going to pick something that I haven't seen before but is it a notable thing I don't think so it's just that now I'm so deep in with these damn Fast and Furious movies that we're like hooked on them. <laughs> so Sherry and I have been like watching other things that are like the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, like we watched a thing called Death Race where uh, Jason Statham um, and Tyrese Gibson were like in this prison and you have to like race to get out of the prison. Um, and it's... Uh, uh, you know, it's like the, the if you win five races, they release you. It's like this like futuristic uh, televised thing or whatever. So we're kind of like hooked on these weird like car race movies, and specifically Jason Statham because uh, he in the eighth Fast and Furious movie. So he's in the seventh and the eighth one, and he's he's <laughs> really great in both of them. But in the eighth one, he's got this like really funny scene with a baby, and like. Sherry just cracked up laughing at it, and like now she seems to be the biggest Jason Statham fan. So then we were like, "Well, what else can we watch?" So uh, I read the the plot synopsis for this movie called Crank, which says, Perf "Oh, Crank! Perf I know this movie." Professional assassin <laughs> Cheb Chelios learns his rival has injected him with a poison that will kill him if his heart rate drops. So. That sounds like speed, but with a dude. And 
I really want to watch this movie. Bus. So <laughs> I, I'm going to watch it no matter what. But uh, I figured he's be- not in the bus, Frylock. Yeah. He is the bus. Because it starts with a C. I was like, I'm totally waiting till after the podcast to see if we pick this or not. So that's my pick. Yeah, so uh, I've seen that one, and it's uh, it's a pretty so- it's got a lot of solid action. It's Jason Statham, you know, like I mean, uh, it's a solid action film. I haven't seen it in a couple of years. I'd rewatch that and talk about it. Yeah, I don't remember if I've actually seen it, but I do remember seeing trailers for it and thinking, "Well, that's just that's just wonderful." Okay, uh, I, I'm I'm of two minds on this here. I have I have two choices, and I don't know which direction to lean in. One would just be. One is no doubt an awful, awful, awful movie, uh, but would possibly be fascinating to discuss. And the other is a movie that I couldn't place for the longest time uh, that I've seen once when I was a kid at a friend's house, uh, Jeff Marks writer's house, actually, um, and left a, a huge impression on me. So... Super cool nostalgic eight theoretically super cool nostalgic eighties movie or modern absolute piece of crap that might be fun to talk about. Mm. <laughs> Those are my two favorite genres. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, I went with an eighties piece of crap. I went with both those yeah, genres you went with put both together. Of those, yeah. Oh. I'm going to say he gives us his 80s one. I don't know. All right. Yeah, give us the 80s one. I have not seen this in forever, and I don't remember many of the details. I'm very curious if it holds up. I would very much like to watch Cloak and Dagger. Dagger. Is that about a, like a kid who has an imaginary friend who's yeah. like a spy? I watched that He's as a like, kid. I haven't seen that in years. Yeah. It was like this kid gets involved in some sort of like like someone's trying to kill him for some reason, and there's like some secret plans to something hidden inside an Atari 5200 cartridge. And like this video game character comes to life or something that helps him out as like a super spy. I don't remember many of the details. I just remember thinking this movie was really kind of disturbing, but very cool. So it, and I can picture the main character. He's a famous actor, like the guy who's imaginary and he's in a bunch of crap and he's got a mustache all the time. And I think they call him, they call him Jack Black or, or Blackjack. Is his name Blackjack in the movie? Something like that. And the guy is... Cloak and Dagger is 1984. Um, and... The guy. He's, he's got a mustache, and I think he's bald. Oh, he was in 9 to 5. With Jack Flack. Dabney Coleman is the actor, and they call him Jack Flack in the movie. Jack Flack. I was close. I went with Jack Black. Would have been a way different movie. <laughs> I have I have no idea what this movie is. I'm looking at the IMDB page right now. Um, yeah. This left such a huge impression on me as a kid, and I haven't seen it. Like, I watched it one night, watched some of it one night while when Ellie was a baby, and I couldn't sleep at night because, like, it was just, she was just up all night screaming. No, maybe it was John. Yeah, it was John was a baby, and I was up in the middle of the night with him. And I threw on Cloak and Dagger, and I was like, wow, this is wild. But it was like 3 in the morning, and I remember nothing about it. And that's the last I've seen it. It's not related to the Marvel property, right? No, no not, not at all. At all. No. Okay. Nothing like that. Okay. It's definitely something that probably got rented at Video Depot. It was one of their nine movies. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Uh, 
All yeah, right. I, I saw it as a kid. I, I remember liking it as a kid, but I, I haven't seen it in, I don't know, 20, 30 years at least. All right, so we all vote, but we can't vote for our own things, right? Oh, yeah. Ooh, this is going to be hard. Okay. I'm going to watch all these movies. <laughs> I'm, super, I'm super into all three of these, to be honest. Um, I'm going to vote Crank. That just sounds like the kind of stupid I'm in the mood for. I'm going to vote chud because i i feel like that goes along with notable things that i should have seen so <laughs> i'll 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 vote chud i'm not going to make it a three-way tie i'm going to vote crank i i haven't watched it in a while let's see let's see what let's see what happens nice. with jason statham and his and his heart pounding all right <laughs> it makes my heart pound crank it is <laughs> that that'll be our next there's your homework all 20 listeners uh crank is the movie that you should watch along with us for us to discuss and i mean honestly if i have the time which i just about guarantee i won't i i would certainly like to watch chud and cloak and dagger too but uh crank will be the primary focus of our next episode since we couldn't possibly get back to your other one for like what would it be it'd be like a year and a half Right, twenty six weeks. Yeah, twenty six. Like twenty six months. No, it's a long time. I don't math good. What? What's the other one? Is that a curiosity? What was the bad movie? Cats. Cats. Oh no! <laughs> you couldn't pay me to watch straight. that again. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't oh, you've seen it. it already? Oh yeah, I've seen it. Wow. See, I'm. I. I don't want to watch it, but I feel like having a conversation about that movie with the two of you would be fun. <laughs> You, you Again, know I don't smoke pot, and I think maybe that might be a requirement at the beginning of that. Oh movie. no, I think I think it would have to be like some really hard drugs. To, to, <laughs> <laughs> I don't Pot think marijuana do is quite enough for cats, at least from what I've come to understand of that movie. This is going to sound weird, but we uh, we ended up watching Cats because my my son was really excited about it. Like he saw a preview for it, and he's like, "Yeah, it's this movie about cats," and we were like. Do we have to watch this? And he was like, "Yeah, it's about cats. Like we're watching it." And like he he was all in for it, but yeah, it was awful. Um Oh, which which by the way, um I I didn't I didn't sort of tell this part of the story, but the but you know, when I said that I've watched Bill and Ted face the music four times, the the first time that I watched it was like the night it came out, and it was specifically because I knew Nate was going to want to watch it with me. And I was like, I need to watch this by myself before I watch it with the kid. Um, because you know, just like for some reason he was like super into cats. Uh, he went through this phase where he was super into historical characters. And I was like, Nate, you want to watch a movie with Abraham Lincoln and Genghis Khan and Joan of Arc in it. And he was like, Yes. then i have the movie for you so he he loved excellent adventure he he didn't love bogus journey because it uh you know because um, there's no historical figures well yeah and he was like afraid of all the afterlife stuff like he was like Mm -hmm. he was like that movie was not the same and i was like you're right it was not the same (laughs) Um, but then like he loved face the music um because you know they go around and they pick up historical figures but um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was like, I have to, you know, I have to watch this movie without him or he will ruin the crap out of it for me. And it's too important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as to get back to my point before about Bill's dad, that actor died. Oh, uh, well, yeah. 
I was just thinking if they were going to do a fourth, it should be a spinoff just about Bill's dad. None of the other characters are in it. <laughs> you know, just what's going on with Bill's dad? Do a prequel, Young Bill's Dad. Young you, Bill's you, Dad. You could argue that Bill's dad was not necessary to it because he remained proud of Bill from the from the history report on. Remember, they came into the room at the back of the history report, and he kind of yeah. looks at he kind of looks at Missy, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, you, you did all right." Like you could argue like. Like, Bill's dad was good. Ted's dad was the one we needed to win over. I so. don't even think Bill's dad had any lines in the second one. You saw him drinking. Yeah, because he was super dejected, yeah. But I don't even think he said anything. Yeah, I think you're right. He maybe cried a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a tear. So, yeah, I, he, wasn't, he wasn't an essential character to these movies. Yeah. All right. All right. Crank it is. <laughs> Let's crank nice. it out. Let's crank it out. A theater near you is a part of the Geekade Podcast Network, and if you'd like to get in touch with us to share your comments, movie suggestions, or whatever, you can send us an email at mail at geekade.com. We can also be found on most social media outlets and the official Geekade Discord server, all of which can be found in our show notes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time in a theater near you. Goodbye! Excellent! Bye.